evening. Let me tell you all how excited I am to be sharing the gospel with you guys this evening, sharing the word of God. It's been a blessing this summer to be under Pastor Gupan. It's been a blessing to be among you guys. I miss you guys so much, and every time I'm at college, I, I go to church on Sunday mornings, and I do miss being with the believers that God has called me to be with. It's been a blessing to be with you all, and thank you all so much for pouring into my life just as much as Pastor Gupan has. And I covet your prayers, and I continue to ask for your prayers in my life. The strength, of the, the strength of the fellow believer's prayers is anything that is the only thing that the, the young preacher needs. Uh, without your prayers, I don't know where I would be. I'm thankful that God has carried me through so far, and he will continue till the end. When you have started a good work, you will finish it. And I'm thankful for each and every one of you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians 2. Philippians 2. Philippians 2. The book of Philippians is such a rich book of scripture. I've been reading this in my own personal time over the past couple months, and it's been such a blessing. I mean, the beautiful riches of scripture, and we've been able to see, I have been able to see God's glory and God's deity and the character of God so beautiful throughout this book. It's been such a blessing to my life as God has been working through it in my heart and this topic of joy that is presented so well within Philippians. The book of Philippians is just convicting my own heart so much and that I can always have a smile on my face as a believer in Christ. I can always have a smile on my face, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I can always have a smile on my face, because my God is with me. And that's been such an encouragement within my own life that the book of Philippians has given me. It's been such a blessing, and the Spirit of God led me to this chapter and opened up my eyes to so many beautiful principles within this book. God placed this book and he, within Scripture just for me, and he's placed it for each and every one of you guys. He's placed it for July 23rd, Sunday night, because he knew that we were going to be going over this message. He knew that someone here needed it today. He knew that someone else needed to understand the joy that they have in Christ. And as you go throughout the week, I want you to come back to this chapter of the Word of God. I want you to come back to this chapter and say, yep, God's got it. I can put a smile on my face and no need to frown, because my God's got me. Before we go into what this chapter has for us to learn, we must understand the history of behind the book of Philippians. We must understand the history. Allow us to enter into the setting of why God wrote this book, why God called Paul to the church of Philippi, why God called him to Macedonia, why we're here today, really. Why God has given us this joy. We must understand the history that right now you're not in Latham, but you're in, the, you're in Philippi with Paul right now. I want us to get that history also, and I love history also. I love the history of the Bible, and it's so cool to see that the book of Acts actually lays out the entirety of the New Testament. It lays out the entirety of the New Testament, and it's this history book in this pathway to help us to understand Scripture even greater. Paul had been called to the area of Philippi on a second missionary journey. On a second missionary journey, and we can see all of this play out in Acts 16. On your own time, you should definitely go to Acts 16 and read it out so you can even understand Philippians to a greater extent. But Acts 16, he, Paul was originally not going to the area of Philippi. He wanted to go to the area of Asia. That is where he had believed that God had called him. So Paul was on his way to Asia, and God said, nah, no, not there. No, I have a different plan for you. He wanted to go to the area of Asia at first, but Acts 16 says that the Holy Ghost forbid him to preach the word in Asia at that moment. The Holy Ghost forbid him, and Paul was sensitive to the Spirit of God. Now, while that's not what we're talking about today, that's a beautiful thing that we must understand. We must be sensitive to the Spirit of God and allow him to lead us where we need to go. And notice how there is a joy within that. Notice how there is a joy. And Paul, he was led there, 
and he ended up being in jail. <laughs> now, that's a funny thing to think, that Paul was in joy. He was crying these tears of joy within jail. That's a hard thing for us to think. Now I'm crying tears of joy every time I get pulled over by a state trooper or something. But Paul's in jail, and he is, has these tears of joy. He has these tears of joy. And Paul was called here by the Holy Ghost. And Paul, the Holy Ghost told Paul and forbid him to preach the word in Asia. And, God, and, and Paul obeyed the word of God. Paul obeyed the Holy Ghost. Paul obeyed his leading. Paul immediately was given a vision, which we now know as the Macedonian call. The Macedonian call. And that's such a cool thing within Scripture to see the calling of peop on people's life. It's such a cool thing, the confirmation that God gave Paul. That as he was trying to do his will, God led him. Another comforting thought. That's not what we're talking about today. But as we're going through it, I'm just getting excited. God called Paul, and he was acting upon this calling. Paul was acting upon this calling that God had placed on his life. And he had received confirmation as he was going through what the Holy Spirit was leading him to do. He was acting upon the power of the Holy Ghost within his life. He was acting upon this. And Paul followed the Spirit's leading, which brought him to Philippi, which we now come to. And we're reading through the book of Philippians. And the church of Philippi began by Paul sharing the gospel to a woman named Lydia. Another understanding of the will of God. The will of God always, it will always contain you sharing the gospel with someone. It always involves that. The gospel is always involved within the will of God. We, we often mistake the gospel to just be something that we need to understand while we get saved. No, it is, a, it is a necessity for us to understand the will of God, for us to share the gospel. Paul shared the gospel with a rich woman named Lydia. Lydia was known as a seller of purple, or the color of royalty. Lydia was known as a seller of purple, and she was a rich woman of great status. And Paul shared the gospel to her, and she became humbled. She became humbled. Second person that Paul shared the gospel to within Philippians and the book of Philippi and the area of Philippi and within Acts 16 was a little slave girl who was possessed with a demon. How great is this contrast that we see? A rich woman with great status needed Christ just as much as a slave girl who was possessed by a demon. This helps us to realize God is no respecter of persons. We must be humbled before God. The gospel humbles all. We see this contrast that the gospel is for all. And the gospel humbles us. We need this within our daily life. The gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to remind ourselves on a daily basis that the gospel is necessary for me to walk with Christ. To me, to obey the Holy Spirit's calling. To me, to yield and surrender to him. I must be humbled. In reality, surrender and submission to Christ is humility in itself. We see this contrast that the gospel is for all and the gospel humbles all, which is a message of Philippians 2. And I'm so excited to share with you what God has put on my heart and what God has written through his scripture. Philippians 2 leads off by going to the message of how all believers are called to unity. We are called to unity. It's so easy to get disheveled within our own opinions and our own thoughts. But when we come to this principle of humility, there's a unity within that. And that's the title of my message today, Unity Through Humility. Unity through humility. Our unity is found by putting on the mind of Christ. And Philippians 2 leads off this message about how all believers are called to unity. But Paul gives the example of Christ's life as our only capable way of being unified. Our unity is found by putting on the mind of Christ. Now what does it mean to put on the mind of Christ? To put on the mind of Christ means to humble yourselves before God. It means to humble yourselves before God. 
the entirety of Philippians is rooted in joy. And Paul shows us that the formula to receive joy is humility. Now, what we can see through Philippians 2 is that God wants you to act in humility. God wants you to act in humility. How are we to act in humility? I'm happy you guys asked that question. Now, we are to first realize the worth of Christ. Second, remember the work of Christ. And lastly, react in worship to the Christ. So I want to say it one more time. First, realize the worth of Christ. Second, remember the work of Christ. And lastly, react in worship to the Christ. So let's read through Philippians 2. And I want you guys to have the same excitement with me as I read it. Because this is such a beautiful chapter. And I'm, I'm just going to gush over it in these next couple minutes. Because this is something that you, I want you guys to enjoy just as much as I get to enjoy. That even within our conviction that the Holy Ghost will bring through Philippians 2, we can enjoy this. We can enjoy this. And this can be an encouragement to our hearts. So let's read verses 1 through 11 in Philippians 2. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. And after that, we'll have a quick word of prayer. And then we'll get into what God has for us today. Philippians 2, verse 1. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, fulfill, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem each other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, the mind of Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man, of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's bow our heads and pray real quick. I praise you, Lord, and I worship you, God, and I come before you with humility within my own heart, Lord. This is something I struggle with also, Lord, pride. I give my heart to you, Lord, and I just ask for humility, Lord, and break me down, Lord, so that I may rely more on you, God. I am nothing without you, Lord. I am a weak vessel, Lord, and I need your spirit to strengthen me. Lord, I need your heart, Lord, to guide mine. Lord, hold my hand and lead me through this chapter and help me to lead this congregation to, through your, this chapter of your word, Lord. Lord, my, your strength is made perfect in my weakness, Lord. Weaken me so that I can show your strength to a greater degree, Lord. Anything that is, that's going to come through this word, Lord, is of you, God. We thank you, Lord, and we just ask that we would humble our hearts before you, Lord. Submit me to you, God, so that I can lead. Lord, I am a weak vessel, and I need you, God, and I ask for your spirit to strengthen me, Lord. Give me the words to speak, Lord. Anoint my lips to speak. Anoint our ears to hear. Anoint all of our hearts to receive, Lord. I ask for your strength, Lord, and your spirit, and I ask to be filled with your spirit, Lord. Empty me of myself. Lord, I love this congregation, God, and I thank you for this opportunity. Help me to never take it for granted, Lord. And help me to realize my humility, Lord, that I'm a weak, sinful being, Lord, but you are a great, great God. I love you, Lord, and I worship you. And I exalt your name above all else. In Jesus' name, amen. All of Scripture is pointing to the truth of Jesus Christ being God. All of Scripture, every single verse within the Word of God is pointing to this truth that Jesus Christ is God. This truth is an undeniable truth that presents itself through Scripture heavily in every verse of the Bible. 
It is a necessity for the believer to understand that Jesus Christ is God. Within every principle that God desires us to live through, the deed of Christ is essential for us to understand how to live those principles of Christ. As we said earlier, Paul emphasizes the principle of unity, but unity through humility. How does humility bring unity within our life? How does this happen? Humility, I'm not talking about just humbling ourselves towards a specific thing. We are humbling ourselves before God. We are humbling ourselves before Christ, the God of the world. The deity of Christ is so essential for us to understand this. Because once we humble ourselves, we will realize that, God, you got it. I don't. I give it to you, Lord. Lord, I'm not even going to do anything. I'm going to let you take care of it. Let you fight my battles. Lord, I'm going to let you take care of what, I, what is needs to be done within my life. I'm going to let you take care of it, Lord. Because in reality, I can't do anything. You can do everything. Paul emphasizes his principle of unity, but unity through humility. And the Holy Spirit writes through Paul greatly and begins to show us humility by the example that Christ has given us. The perfect example, Christ. Christ is a perfect example. Christ came down for the gospel to die on the cross for your sins. He also came down to give you the mold on how to live, the example on how to live. You see, we have great examples within our life. Our mother and father, our friends, that if you have godly friends, and that's perfect and all. My mother and father aren't perfect. And they try to live out the example of Christ. And everything good within them is the example of Christ. But Christ is his perfect example that we can see everything that happened through Christ's life, and we must try to model that within our life. And the principle of humility is one of the models that Christ has given us. Humility is a necessity for unity, because if we are not humble together, we do not come together with the one goal of raising up our God, and we instead desire to raise up our own agendas. We instead desire to raise up ourselves. Once we come to Christ and humble ourselves, we have this purpose within our life, that God is God of this world. Paul highlights the deity of Christ to refocus on the believer on how Christ truly is a great God. This past week, I've been able to go to Virginia, and I've been able to see the beautiful mountains. I mean, it was just beautiful how I've been able to just drive, and I can look to the right, and you can just see the valley, and you can see the most beautiful thing when you look to the right. And it was just beautiful. I, was just, I remember just looking at it, and just basking in the glory of God, saying, wow, my God made that. And he made that because he's God. How important it is for us to remind ourselves of the deity of Christ. Sometimes we forget that within our own prayer life, that we forget that God is God, that Jesus Christ is God. We're talking to the God of the world, the God of this world. And Paul highlights this to show us how great God truly is. The love of Christ is present within his deity, and we must realize the worth of Christ so well. We must realize this worth. Jesus Christ lived a life of pure humility, he is God who came down from heaven to earth just for you and for me. He humbled himself so that he could serve you. He humbled himself so that he can serve you. Think of that for a second. How awesome is that to think of? That God did that for me and you. He did that for you. It's important to understand that though Christ made himself of no reputation, he is and always will be God. Verse 7 says, He made himself of no reputation and took on the form of a servant. The deity of Christ is never questioned through Paul. Philippians 2 is often called the Kinesis chapter. And often people will misconstrue that with God giving up his deity. And that is just not true. Paul is emphasizing the deity of Christ. And what Philippians 2 in reality is saying is that Christ has added on the servanthood. He has not given up his deity. He is still God. 
He is God within the flesh. Verse 7 very specifically says, he took on the form of a servant. Christ humbled himself in that he is God, but he also became man out of love for you and me. R.C. Sproul said it very well in describing this verse. The incarnation is not so much a subtraction. Instead, it is an addition. It is an addition of servanthood. Christ left his throne in heaven to come down and humble himself as a servant. It is important for us to understand that as Christ humbled himself to become a servant, so must we. Servanthood is not only necessary within the times when life is great. It is times when people are being a total jerk to you. You have to maintain that servanthood. I heard a fantastic quote spoken to me at college. The sign of a true servant is how he reacts to being treated as a servant. I want you to understand. I want you to really think about that. The sign of a true servant is how he reacts to being treated as a servant. Servants aren't treated well. Servants are not treated well. So when someone starts yelling at you, it's important for us to keep that humility within our life, to keep that principle of being a servant, that you are called to be a servant of God. This gives you that purpose, that you are called to serve the Lord our God. You are called to serve his people also. Humility requires servitude, and servitude requires action. You must act within a heart of humility, and humble service towards God means that our minds cannot be preoccupied with our own self-advancement but he becomes preoccupied with the idea of raising Christ and not ourselves. If Christ humbled himself, how much more should we? Christ humbled himself, and he was God. He left his throne in heaven for you. How much more should we humble ourselves? We must realize the worth of Christ, the deity of Christ. He is such a great God, and this is essential for us to understand the humility that we must also put on, that we aren't God. How much more should we humble ourselves? Christ did this out of love for you. His love for you is so great. So we must realize the worth of Christ and everything that he has done for you. We must not only realize the worth of Christ, but we must also remember the work of Christ. The worth of Christ and the work of Christ are connected. We cannot have the one without the other. Christ's deity is essential to the gospel of Christ. Christ's deity is what removed our damnation. All of scripture connects the fact that he is God and he's the only worthy one to take our sin. If I died on the cross... Nothing's going to happen for you. Nothing's going to happen for you. But Jesus Christ lived that perfect life that he, even in the, in the face of ridicule, even in the face of just pure hum, humiliation, Christ lived that perfect life. He lived that perfect life for you. And this is essential that he is the only worthy one to take care of our sin and take our sin away. John 1.1 1, 1 connects the message of Christ and the perfect of Christ, person of Christ with a specific word, word. Word. In the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now, I remember when I was in Awan, I remember reading that verse, and I'm thinking, that's just a lot of words. That's just a lot of the words, word. And I was confused. I'm like, what does that even mean? You know, like, what does it mean the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word, what does that mean? And I've been able to study that over the past years, and I've, it's such a cool verse in reality. That John 1, 1, the specific title for Jesus, word, proclaims the idea that he is the message. Christ is the message. That there's a connection between who Christ is and the message of Christ. That Christ lives out the etern- eternality of it. That the, in the beginning was a word. The word, the message in Christ has always been. And this always will be. One of my favorite preachers, Dr. Amsbaugh, preached on this understanding of the title word in John 1.1 by the phrase we hear on TV often. We have a word from our sponsor. So our Christ is a message to us. 
The life that Christ lived is a message to us. So how does the work of Christ present humility towards us? We see that Christ's deity is within the message and work of Christ. How does Philippians 2 present the work of Christ as a necessity towards humility? For us to understand this, we must understand the work of Christ and what he has done on the cross. The gospel is this beautiful message that rings in the believer's heart every time they hear it. You can't get tired of it. You cannot get tired of it. When someone falls in love, they never get tired of understanding, of speaking this message on how they met their spouse. When we meet Christ, we never get tired of this message of what Christ has done for us. What Christ has done for us. These acts of service towards us. What Christ has showed his love for us. And God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we must understand this work of Christ. And we must get excited about this. If you're getting bored about the gospel, you have to really check your heart. The entirety of the gospel is a message of Christ's humility. How he humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death. Christ submitted to the will of the Father. The gospel proclaims in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and Christ came down from heaven for that exact reason. His life was a completely humble life. We start from the beginning. He lived in humility. He is a perfect example of humility. You see, the work of Christ was his entire life and Christ lived that perfect life. He was born in a manger. He was the king of kings. was born in a lowly manger. The beginning we see humility now keep on going the king of kings was spat on by man all for the sacrifices for a sinner like me he humbled himself the king of kings was spat on the god of this world did that for you and for me if that doesn't humble you what will that christ loved you so much that he came down from heaven to earth to die on the cross for a sinner like you and me he humbled himself the gospel saves and also sanctifies and must make us realize that our God's love is deeper than we could ever imagine because of this deep love. Because of this deep love, we must submit our heart and life to the Father. I remember when I was younger, me and my brother would wrestle. And me and my brother had these specific rules that we would not stop wrestling until one of us submitted each other. So we would either break each other's arm or choke each other out, basically. Now, yep, all the girls are like, What? Yeah, we would, this was called a submission, and you tap out. And that tap out was, in, a set, in essence, saying, you are better than I am at this. You are way better at this. You are a better wrestler. And I was not going to tap out. So my brother oftentimes submitted to me in knowing and realizing that I was the better brother. I was a stronger brother, and he submitted to me. So I would choke him out. I would, he would tap out before I broke his arm. No worries. But he submitted to me. Now, it's a funny example of how submission works, but submission is an understanding, Lord, I am weak. My brother admitted that he was weak, and he admitted that I was a stronger brother. We must do that within our life. We must submit to our Christ, and knowing that, Lord, you got it. Lord, you are much stronger than I am. I am a weak vessel. I am a weak vessel, God. You have control over my life. Lord, I come to you in humility. I come to you on my knees, Lord. I'm praying to you, understanding, God, that I cannot do anything. I cannot do anything. There is a joy of praying on your knees to our God. And if, you if you've never done that, I, I would ask for you to do it this week because you will enjoy it. It is a picture of how we must pray in humility and submission to Christ. We must submit to Christ. We must realize that the work of Christ and what he has done. God's love is so great. God's love is so great. And we must realize that he is such a greater God than I am. He is such a, excuse me, he is a great God and I am a sinful being. 
To be humble towards God, we must understand what our God has done for us. We have seen that we must realize the worth of Christ. We must remember the work of Christ for humility, but we must also react and worship to Christ. So we see this example of how Christ lived, that he was God. Jesus Christ is God. He has died on the cross, so he was that perfect example of humility. Now what must you and I do? Now what are we supposed to do? You know, we understand how Christ is living. We must understand that we must live like that. But how are we to humble ourselves before Christ? We must react and worship to our God. Paul has written on this topic of humility by giving us his example of Christ's deity and how Christ's deity is present. But he also humbled himself by putting on the form of a servant and then how Christ humbled himself by being obedient unto death. He obeyed the will of the Father. But then the Holy Spirit lays onto Paul this absolutely beautiful picture. Christ was humbled completely to the point of death, but he will be exalted. He will be exalted above anything. Christ, even within, even though he is worthy of being worshipped, he did not exalt himself. Notice the humility even within this. Notice the humility with that. Christ, even though he is God, he did not exalt himself in, this, in Philippians 2. Verse 9 said that his father exalted him. Let's read verse 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every other name. Now, Charles Spurgeon wrote on this verse, said, now just pause over this thought, that Christ did not crown himself, but that his father crowned him, that he did not elevate himself to the throne of majesty, but that his father lifted him there and placed him on his throne. What a beautiful picture of how Charles Spurgeon said it greatly, better than I could ever say it, but... The Father exalted Christ. Even within that, Christ was humble. Even within his exaltation, Christ remained humble. Within our own hearts and lives, this is one of the most pure examples of humility. This gives us a duty. We must bring this into view. Within our hearts and lives, bowing our knee to the Christ of the world. Bowing our knees to the Christ of the world. As I looked at those mountains in Virginia, that was just one little picture of how God was great. Look within your own life. How has God been good to you? How has God been good to you? And if some of you might say, which I, some of you might say, he just has been good to me, that's a lie. Take a breath. Your life is in his hands. He can take that breath any moment. Humble yourselves before God. Bowing our knee to the Christ of the world, we must bring this into view. I am not even worthy of uttering the name of Christ, but through the work of Christ, I can now come to God. I can freely worship him. What a blessing. We often think that worship is just a gift to our God. No, it's not. It is a gift to us. It is a gift to us also that we get to proclaim the name of Christ. I count preaching the gospel as such an honor that God has called me to this. God has called you to something, and you can worship God through that. He has called you to this, and there must be humility within that, that God has called you to this. He has given you that gift. Whether it's being a mother, he has given you that gift. Whether it is being a father, a doctor, whether it is being a, a trooper, a cop, an officer, whatever it is, God has given you that gift, and you must worship Christ through that. That I get to worship our God. I get to worship my God. That he allowed me to do that. I can come to Christ and be in his presence, because in his presence there is fullness of joy. Within the worship there is fullness of joy, and within my humility there is fullness of joy. The submission that is given by the world is magnificent. Through this humility, I can now be humble towards Christ in worship. And I want to just read it one more time. I just want to read it one more time. And being found in a fashion as a man, verse 8, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 
Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things of heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. You can, you can all shout amen if you want. But as we understand the worth of Christ and the work of Christ, how can we not react and worship to Christ? Every time, I, every time I hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ, every time I'm sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, I cannot help but say, thank you, God. Thankfulness is another way of worshiping our God. Coming towards humility towards God. Coming on your knees towards Christ. Saying, God, you are great. Every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The power of God is displayed in full in full in this picture that Paul gives us. It is an act of worship. We see that our worship to Christ must be done in action by bowing of the knee, and our worship must be done in word by confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. Are you worshiping like that? Are you worshiping in spirit and in truth? Are you worshiping in word and in action? Worship does not just mean singing a song on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night. It means every single one of your actions. It is a heart a heart of humility towards God is true worship that you can be worshiping every day of your life if you act in humility towards our God. Christ's character demands man to be humbled and respond in worship. That is what we are created, created for. Will you react in humility by worshiping our Savior? We can see that God wants us to act in humility by realizing the worth of Christ, remembering the work of Christ, and reacting in worship to the Christ. Humility is so necessary for the unity of the church. We cannot serve our God without humbling ourselves before him. Christ must be exalted above anyone else, and God desires us to be humbled. There's blessing within humility. We cannot serve our God without humbling ourselves before him. Christ must be exalted above anyone else, and God desires us to be humbled. If we do not live in humility, we will fall to our pride. We will fall to our pride. Our God is great, and we must acknowledge that within our hearts. The foolishness of God confounds the wisdom of man, 1 Corinthians 1 says. The foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of man, is what 1 Corinthians 1 says. We must acknowledge that within our hearts. We as a church must fall down to our knees to the cross as one. How will you live in humility? Will you realize the worth of Christ? Will you remember the work of Christ? And will you react in worship? Or will you live in the lie that you are stronger than God? Will you spit in the face of God saying, I am stronger than you? Because that truly is what it is. The choice is now yours. As you walk through this week, how will you live? Will you live with a heart of humility? There's much joy in it. Will you live in pride where there's just absolute horrendous terror? Eve fell due to her pride, due to her lust and her desires to be greater than God. Will you fall like that? The choice is now yours. What will you do? Bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, I praise you, God, and I worship you, God, and I come to you.